Good morning, everybody. You're on Iron Radio, episode way too many. Uh, this is Phil. I'm a strength coach, Highland Games athlete, powerlifter, run strength field, and that's about it. This is Coach Durrell, uh, really strength field east, I guess, and then uh, coach quite a few things. Actually got quite a few things coming up this week with Masters Weightlifting Nationals, and then Simultaneously, we'll have a young man doing the Kansas Strongest Man competition out in Salina. Nice. I won't be able to make that. I'll have to do. I'll have to. Yeah, I'm not going down either. Coachish from afar. The events are pretty simple, though, it look like. So yeah. Mike is away at the Special Forces Experience in Idaho. So he can't join us today, just so everybody knows. I suppose we'll start it off with, I'm tired. Went out partying last night, went to my brother's, uh, went to my brother's show, and ended up in the pit. And God, I'm old. Felt like I was 35 again, though. So I felt young and spry. <laughs> then last weekend, I took, stepped on the Highland Games field for the first time in three years. I was sore everywhere after the fact. Um... In a good way, though, largely, but uh, I competed well. I mean, I did better than I thought I would. I I threw better than I thought I would on most events, and uh, I did really well on the sheaf. But. So which, what events were that you – because sometimes I throw an extra one or two in there for – Yeah, uh, we had the extra one for around here. The sheaf is not a traditional event, but uh, – what did we start out with weights? So we heavyweight for distance, lightweight for distance, and then we did heavy hammer, light hammer. Then we did Bramer stone, which is the heavier standing stone, and then open stone, um, caber, sheaf, weight over bar. So it was a long day. It was a long day. It was from nine to about four thirty, and uh, I didn't drink nearly enough water. I uh, drank plenty of beer, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were out there for that long, and I think I peed once. About three quarters of the way through, it's like I haven't peed at all. I better slam more water. And uh, no, I mean I did traditionally. I did the same as I normally do. My throws were not the only thing that I matched my throws with was the sheaf. Really, I did well in it and beat everybody. And I was the last man standing on that. Um. And then the events, the static events where you're in one place is where I normally did well at just because that was my background. So I still did okay in hammers and weight over bar and caper. But, uh, the spinning events is where I suck, especially the stones. And I just don't have a throwing background. So, but it was a good time to get out there. And the caper was a bit easy for us all. We had two or three totally novice guys, totally new guys including my training partner, uh, just trying Highland Games for the first time. So we started out with a qualification caber, which is a super easy one. And then anybody who flipped that could then move up to the the competition caber. And it was still – we should have picked a heavier one because every single person turned it. I think almost everybody got a 12 o'clock, and it came down to who got the most 12 o'clocks. And I got 11 o'clock and two 12s, and the guy who won got three 12s. There were multiple two 12s, people. But uh, 
But either way, it was a it was a good time, and it's it's hard to judge. I understand the people that are picking them out. It's hard to judge which one you need for which people. But uh, I'd have liked to had had us flip something a little more challenging because it's even better for the crowd when when the crowd sees everyone turn at least one twelve o'clock. They're like, "Wow, this must not be that hard." You know, <laughs> it's better if one or two people get it, and then numerous people even don't even turn it, and they get graded on degrees. But uh, People that don't know, if you're listening, like Highland Games, the Caber is probably the most famous event. It's the telephone pole-looking thing you flip, and it's not for distance. It's for accuracy. So you get graded when it flips. A perfect score is 12 o'clock, meaning facing directly away from you after you flip it. And then any iteration of that, so a 12, 30, uh, 130, a 2, uh, whatever. And then if you don't flip it, then you get graded on degrees that it, tried to turn like 90 degree would be the stopping point before it actually went over um so you'd get like an 85 or, or whatever 85 degree turn <laughs> so yeah we yeah. all killed that so i've only done it i've only done that once and uh i did exactly what they said not to because i anticipated it feeling a lot heavier than it did for the oh yeah <laughs> i just like threw it over my shoulder yeah so, no, that was, that was no good. Yeah, the hard thing about it is not the weight of the damn thing; it's the length. Yeah, picking it up off the ground is not that bad. Well, so I expected it to just be like heavier. Like I have enough strength, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and so that that first caber they were teaching people with, it was like okay. And so I was like, I don't know, man, it looks heavy. So I like did like a full on power clean with it. And yeah, like, threw it up, clear in the air. <laughs> It just yeah. went up, yeah. and then over my shoulder backwards, so not good. Yeah, but they so the one I did, they added. Uh, it is this was at a Renaissance festival, so it was like yeah, they had javelin throw and something else too. Javelin throw and like the like a Hoosfell stone carry gotcha. for distance or something like that. Okay, that's what we were at. It was at a Ren fair. Ours. It's yeah. a good time. It's a better time for the family. Like powerlifting, weightlifting is boring comparatively. Because they got other shit to do. I wish powerlifting meets would would latch on to weightlifting meets latch on to something like that. But uh, that way the kids have things to do besides sitting there and watch sweaty people lift and throw things. But uh, everybody had a good time. The crowd really gets into the height events. I had to go down there. I was the field record holder, and it turns out that some bastard beat me by six inches. So I came out and to try and retake my title and. I had it, and then I failed. Uh, on my 30-foot throw, I got it. Uh, I was probably four feet over the bar. And then uh, I think I was just trying too hard and with throwing, a little bit like weightlifting. It's like you don't do well when you try hard. Yeah. you got to stay fast and smooth. and Because uh, really, I mean, the, to me, and that's like me any, helping anybody with sheaf, it's, it's basically a, a hang snatch. It's a power hang snatch. And so that's why I was able to come into that right from the start of my Highland Games uh, and do well on that event. But I ended up with 30 feet was my total cross at, at this one. And I was the only one that reached 30. And, uh, yeah. But we're going to go do more. I'm going to start practicing once a week. So it's it's good. It's, it feels good to get out and do something a little more athletic, for lack of better terms where you're not just standing in one spot 
So yeah. get some rotational stuff going on. And in the off season, it can't hurt. Yeah, it's, it's starting to get. Well, who knows? What's, I feel like we get two or three days of like we're headed towards spring, and then it dives back into. I know. Like a mild winter. <laughs> Fucking eighty four, and then snowing the next day. That was so stupid. <laughs> uh. Yeah, but I agree with that. Do yeah, it with something a little more athletic. Exactly. Get outside and do some things. And so we we went out Thursday again and practiced some more. So if we can get outside for a few hours once a week. So tell us about the event you went to. Uh, I didn't really go anywhere. I was just on straight up on a Zoom thing for oh, okay. this Plan Strong uh, from Strong First, the Plan yep. Strong programming. I mean, it was just programming for the most part. Like you use it on various things, but. I mean, that first day last week, so Saturday, it was 8 to 5. Oh, wow. We went a little bit longer than 5, so it's like almost like 8 to 6. And it was pretty much just math the whole time. Like, really? Yeah, it's, it's kind of based, it's based somewhat on, uh, like old Russian programming design, where it's like you, and this, this is like the math, the majority of the math goes towards ensuring that you get variance in intensity and volume week to week, month to month, you know, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it, and it takes a minute to like write that stuff out. And it's just like, it's not like they're talking about assistance work or anything like that. It's just the lifts. A lot of, like pretty much a lot of 70, 70, 75, 80% lives. It's like, you know, how to, how to program that essentially. So, um, which I enjoy. I, I liked it. If, if anyone's like super nerdy about, you know, programming, I'd, I'd recommend it. It wasn't too crazy priced in terms of like how programming goes. I just wanted to, I've been getting stale on my, uh, programming and, um, just like, fitness, strength, and conditioning, education. Like, I, I didn't really do anything since, what, maybe quarantine? Okay. No, I had done something a little bit after that. But I try to make sure and do, you know, something each quarter or something every year at least so that way I just stay sharp and learn some new stuff. But this one was interesting. I like I do like a lot of the strong, strong first stuff, just like – Pavel's old, well, yeah. Pavel's new stuff. So, I mean, some of it's expensive for, like, no particular reason. Like, the kettlebell stuff, you'll learn, like, three kettlebell moves, and that's, like, a $2,000 weekend, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, but I will say this, too. It's different when you're, like, very curious about the subject and very interested, and you practice and can kind of figure things out. But if you see people do stuff, you're like, oh yeah, that's probably worth two thousand dollars to teach that person to, yeah, to do and administer stuff. But this was primarily for strength, so it wasn't. It was all strength related. It was a dude, Fabio Zonin. He's the one who was running it. Fabio and uh, I forget the guy's name, Hector or something. But um, it was interesting. I I like that stuff so. It's one of those things if you want to get like very detailed and like how to program for, you know, a lift, 
and you do one lift at a time and you just, you know, distribute the loads accordingly. But it, it is rough. Like I wrote, I was just kind of messing around. I wrote one for, you know, one of my clients who's, you know, main thing wants 600 deadlifts and a 300 press, right? Uh-huh. So I was like, all right, I wrote it, you know, as is. And I mean, it's basically three deadlift days per week, three press days. And I mean, it's a lot of reps at most of the So I'm going to play around with it with a few, few of my clients, but. For if you're like in the you have a structure like I do, I think it's tough because I mean a good not a good part like a, a small portion of your job is like keeping things fresh and entertaining to some yeah. degree. So it's like how many people could you have do you know, like a whole year almost of just the lifts, like whatever lifts, like squat yeah. whatever. Like a whole year of that in the same, you know, similar percentage ranges. Like you'll make a ton of progress, but man, it's unless you're, you know, like me or you know, someone who's very interested in this subject, that's a tough thing to yeah, stick it's to. A tough so. sell. Yeah, and that's what we've talked about before with, especially weightlifting. I think even more so. It's like the ones that are good at it are okay with boredom. Because they're literally going to be cleaning, jerking, snatching a lot. You know, you're going to do two lifts or some slight variation of it to keep you from being totally bored. But you're essentially snatching and cleaning and jerking all the fucking time. And uh, it takes a special person to do that, to concentrate their whole life on two two simple moves. Compared to like other sports, you know, football, baseball, basketball, stuff like that. Where it's a, uh, you're doing all kinds of shit. But. Yeah, you got to be really interested in the subject. And I mean, I've seen some stuff, like, because I've started looking into how to Im- improve it. Um, some of that stuff, like the entertainment aspect without losing the programming aspect. And uh, so, like, one of the main things, or one of my, you know, favorite lifters to kind of watch right now is the is the lightweight girl lifter from Chinese Taipei. Very smooth lifter. I think she's a 56 right now or whatever. I don't know. Whatever the, I still don't have the weight classes for weightlifting in my head. I still have the old ones in my head. Yeah. Um, but I mean, she squats 400 or whatever, but I saw a recent thing where maybe it was weightlifting house followed a session of hers and she's like meticulous. Like every session she picks something to work on, like a specific part of the lift. Like, uh-huh. I want to, you know, like a very tiny detail. And then writes notes about every lift, that like every set. She's like, all right, well, uh-huh. this one, yeah. And so, like, just keep kept very detailed notes and doesn't do, a to- like, a ton of variation. But I thought that was an interesting way to keep things interesting. Like, where you're like, okay, well, I'm working on, you know, my foot placement today. Yeah. or my, you know, overhead placement. I want to feel this on every lift. Now, obviously that's to get to, she's like 56 kilos or whatever. And she squats 182. And I want to say yeah. she does that for like doubles or something. So yeah, to be squatting 400 plus at, you know, 120 something. 
Yeah. It's like you've been doing strength training for like, that's a long time in the yeah. game. So yeah. variation at that point is almost sketchy. Like it's yeah. dangerous. Yeah. You get to the point where you'll just hurt yourself. Yeah. yeah you throw new stuff in and it's like, because it's something new, it just throws you off. But. No, and it sounds like a way to keep engaged. You know, she's able to stay engaged then mentally while doing something she's done yeah. a thousand times. See, way that the bar is moving fast, this this whole thing is about basically squat bench, deadlift, like military press, kettlebell, like just basic strength movements. And so in my mind, I was like, oh, my God, like this, this would be a tough sell. Like, I... I mean, you're doing hundreds of reps per month. Like, I think normally, you know, somewhere between three and 500 if you write a normal program per month, somewhere in that range. I mean, that's tough for squat and deadlift to, like, always be trying to fix something that's not super technical. But part of that maybe is just because I have the experience of I've kind of played around with other technical stuff that's not related to those movements. Yeah. Like on the range of technique, squat bench deadlift is technical to a degree, but not snatch clean and jerk technical. And snatch clean and jerk technical is not gymnastics movement technical. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Oh man. What else do we have? We have another bodybuilder that passed away. This week, they're dropping like flies, man. Um, Cedric Wilson, or no, Cedric McMillan. Uh, apparently, his sponsors say he's big, big, big dude. Uh, <laughs> of yeah. course, but um, apparently, dropped dead of a heart attack on his treadmill. So, um, and I think we can all understand. Anybody with the right mind can understand where this is coming from. This is, I was talking to people this week and it's like, they were like, why are so many bodybuilders dying and not so many powerlifters are? And I think a big part of it is like, nobody's denying either sport is not drug free. Or nobody's saying either sport is drug free, but the amounts and what changes between the sports and a lot of it a lot of the deadly cocktails that you see in bodybuilding is the fact that these guys are, you know, they're not just doing anabolics. It's when they start mixing in the insulins and the prescription diuretics and things like that to stay so lean. And just, I mean, part of me has to believe it's the the staying lean, staying that lean part all year round. Anybody who's been that lean knows that, being that lean is not good for your body. Uh, basically, it's in a it's in a fight or flight situation. Like it thinks it's starving, even though you're jacked. Um, and man, I mean, you start and then you throw in all that stuff, and we've seen numerous deaths over the insulin because that shit can be crazy. That last I remember the guy's name, but one of the last ones that died was was just that he took insulin and he didn't get to his snack fast enough and uh so blood sugar just went away and, uh, but yeah sad sad stuff i mean nobody ever wants that to happen but um 
<sighs> and then in powerlifting news, we're seeing more and more thousand pound deadlift stuff. So a Polish lifter, I'm going to butcher his name. Um, <laughs> Kirsatov, where's Bicky or whatever his name is? Uh, did a 500 kilo or 461 kilo deadlift for a triple in training. It's sumo, of course, but, uh, still a thousand sixteen point three pounds for a triple in training. Uh, dude looks to be, I don't know, but, oh, okay, there it is. Yeah, he's 242 lifter. So I think it's what he is. I was going to say he's not, again, like me and Mike talked about last week on the other thousand pound deadlift, the first one done in competition. Not a huge guy because when you're talking in, in relative terms to like a half Thor or something like that, the guys you think about lifting a thousand pounds, but, um, I don't know, man. This, the deadlift has taken off so much in the last five years. There are tons of people because I'm, I come from the day when like 700 was strong. And now they're all doing, like, everybody's got a 700-pound deadlift. <laughs> and you've got multiple people knocking on thousands, and now a thousand for a triple. And I don't know what's causing it. it, it Wasn't there a dude who did, there's, like, the lightest, he's the, he the lightest body weight to deadlift thousand. This must have been two weeks ago. I'll have to look it up. There was a guy yeah. two weeks ago that did the thousand. First person to ever do it in a full meet. Yeah, that's all that. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But I thought uh, there was another one that had, was just like in. It was just like in training, which I hate when they do that. Yeah. It's like, look, I don't. The training is great and it's great footage, but to say this is the first person, like training, doesn't count as a record of any kind. Yeah. No. And there are people that are doing all kinds of crazy shit before there was a camera in everybody's hand. So. Um. But it's, it's odd to me, and I don't know what it is. Like, has the training advanced enough? I've talked about this with several people. Like, why is why are we seeing this skyrocket? Is it the drugs, purely drugs? Is it, you know, the training has changed that much? Is it the frequency they're doing now? Um, for a long time there. Like, when I started, everything that was out there, training-wise, training information-wise, was, was equipped lifting. And at that point in time, like there was not as many of them trained deadlift even. It's like they used, you know, come from the, the West Side protocol at that time where they kind of used the box squat to train the deadlift. And, you know, they ended up moving away from that some, from my knowledge of it, because they all sucked at deadlift. Um, which is hard to understand when you don't lift, do the lift at all. Uh, but. Have you seen the training programs from any of these guys? Like any of the like? No, I haven't. The, the people training coaches? now, hitting all these. No, I haven't. But and you're seeing a big discrepancy again. And like I know it was. Uh, I just saw something about this the other day. Like you know, you're becoming a an advanced powerlifter when the barrier, the window between your your squat and your deadlift starts to close meaning the distance between them. Um, newer lifters generally have a bigger, a much bigger deadlift than they do a squat. And uh, I know Donnie Thompson was big on that. He's like, you know, you're not a 
you're not getting to the elite stage unless you're until your squat's higher than your deadlift and this and that. And um, we're starting to see that a lot more now. There's a lot of people with huge deadlifts, and I mean in relative terms now, their their squat is two three hundred pounds behind. But uh, and hell, I was that way for a long time. A lot of mine was orthopedic issues, but you know mine didn't close. The gap didn't close up until I got a hip replacement and wasn't constantly in pain. But <clears throat> I also purposely, after the hip replacement, shifted 100% of my concentration onto squat for the fact it was so far behind. And, like, this last meet was the first meet I haven't deadlifted 700 in, like, 15 years. I think it's 689 or whatever the hell it was. <clears throat> but part of that is not training to lift so much, and the other part is, well, when you squat 800 pounds before it, it makes the deadlift harder. <laughs> and you're just wore the fuck out. But And that was a big part of it. But um, No, it's just interesting to me. It's like, what are these guys doing? And it's, I think it could be a, a little bit of all that. You know, it could be a little bit of the drugs, a little bit of training advice, a little bit of uh, the frequency in which they're doing it now. Whereas everybody used to only deadlift once a week, and now it's, you know, they're not scared to do it multiple times a week. Yeah, I was going to say, that used to be like a law. Oh, yeah, yeah like no. you never deadlift more than once a week. Yeah. Um, I mean. I've had good recently with a lot of my people to, like, if it's our deadlift day or whatever, we still squat. We just squat light before it. Um, and the reason I changed that is I see... Um, like, I haven't found a better warm-up for deadlift than squat. Yeah. If you do, Even if you just squat a plate for a couple sets of five, like, then you go set up for deadlift and you just feel good. And it's not vice versa. But So we do a lot of, like, okay, it's squat day, so we're going we're gonna to squat heavy and deadlift light after. And then on deadlift day, we're going to squat light and deadlift heavy. So, be it speed work or rep work or whatever, but and it seems to help a lot. And see deadlifts going up, and also messing around with different variations that don't beat you up as much. Like I'm, I'm a big proponent of like block pulls and things like that. Ninety nine percent of our time is done below the knee. I think most of the time, I really view the the above the knee work as it's either an ego lift or an, a deload. We kind of use it as a deload time um like if i'm doing a block of training a lot of time we'll do heavy rack pulls right before our test um and i kind of use that the same as i would like walkouts for a squat just getting used to heavy weight um because i've never met a person that like i set the bar at the top of their knees they can't lift more than they can from the floor um And it just gets them used to, okay, that doesn't feel so bad in my hands. And it doesn't tax the system near as much as a full pull from the, from the floor. That weird spot in deadlifting is usually <sighs> the spot that kicks your ass in deadlift is that spot between like mid shin and top of knee is where most people end up grinding things out a ton. Yeah. It's uh, also a difference between you, especially if you're someone who hitches. That's yes. like a critical point of hitching because it's like yes. you try to get your knees under the bar. Yeah. Just like, just as a natural, natural response. It's like, oh, oh yeah. I got to get my knees underneath it. Uh huh. And it's like, and that's a hard one. knee bend is for weightlifting only. 
Yeah, and that's a hard one to break when you've got a lifter. I've had numerous ones that come in from, like, they've done that for years, and now they want to compete, and trying to get them to stop doing that, <laughs> holy shit, man, it's tough. It's it's real hard, and that's why you, I try and get people, even training in strongman, it's like. What do you do to fix it? What is yell at them a lot. <laughs> yeah, yell at them a lot and throw things at them. Um, uh no, I think like you said, some of that, some of the rack work, some of the high poles, rack work, or, or uh, just a block poles can help some. And then it's just a lot of it is just them being cognizant about it. Like, don't allow yourself to do it because it's just ingrained in them to, like, it's an automatic thing at this point because they've done it for so long. So it's just like, just keep pulling. Your body's going to tell you to want to start jerking and do that, but um, it's a tough one. Like, it takes months usually. Uh, of constant practice to break that. But, and that's why I try and get my strongman competitors even like, let that happen if it happens. Let's not train it. Like in training, we're not doing, usually doing lifts that they even need to hitch. So, because then you just start getting in that trouble. You've done 10,000 of those lifts like that, and that's all they know how to do. But, yeah, I used to like basically, when I had a few more powerlifters and a couple that had it, those issues, it was like I, I do like the like RDLs, demo deadlifts, yeah, and swings basically to just to teach you to get your hips forward without try like you know without essentially dipping your knees, yeah. At least get used to that motion. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of stiff legged or RDLs. I think. I think at this point I like those better than good mornings even. Yeah. Um, they're a little safer move, and it just feels more natural. Like it's damn near, if you film it from the side, it's damn near exactly the same move. Um, people just seem to perform it better um, from the start. Like it doesn't take long to teach somebody how to do that, but a lot of people fuck up the good mornings. And that's not saying good mornings are great. Like when my deadlift was the biggest is when I had my biggest good mornings. But was it the good mornings or just me training deadlift a lot? Eh, you know, either could be, uh, either could be potential. But um. I was looking at because uh, I was that ended this week too. Though was uh, the CrossFit stuff quarterfinals. Oh, it's over. No, so the quarterfinals are over. Okay. So but I, I I went to look to see on on Barbin who was you know doing like CrossFit Mayhem has like three teams in the top ten. Really? So there's Mayhem Freedom. Froning, there's right? well, May yeah, Mayhem Freedom is that's Froning's team. They're first. He goes Mayhem Freedom, then Invictus, Mayhem Independence is third, and then like Mayhem Justice is down in ninth. Huh. But there's there's one is like CrossFit Move Fast Lift Heavy is the team. They're in seventh, and they have a link on this bar bin to <laughs> like. Just I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. And it just goes to last year they had a failed drug test. I'm like, damn, that that's dirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, like, why'd you have to link that to here? Yeah, like they did good this year, and then I mean, as far as I can tell, no bad drug test or whatever. But say, like, hey, remember that team? Yeah, this is the team that cheated last year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, like we need a reminder. But. Well, I mean. 
Those soccer teams can change. Like you could go with a whole new team and still have yeah, the same. Yeah, it could be totally different people. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's silliness. But yeah, I don't know who was on the individual side. I didn't pay much attention to what the workouts were or anything. I just thought it was interesting that all these like clubs are consolidating pretty much. I mean, if you do competitive CrossFit, like your your window is shrinking. Like there's only a handful of people who are doing it. Like you pretty much have to travel there and train with that team or whatever. Or even if you don't travel there, it's like so it's almost it's like killing itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it seemed like Froning was the start of like teams. All star like teams, yes. He was kind of the the beginning of that. Yeah, and now teams. you're seeing a lot of these guys that were, you know, they were open winners or uh, games winners, and then they move on. Their next step is let's just do team, and then it's putting these teams together that, you know, they say they're under one hat, but they're flying from all around the country. Yeah, I mean teams. it was. The idea was cool when it was like, like your gym, like people would train yeah. with you, like, yep. like having people move, you know what I mean, like, yeah, to build move. teams. Yeah, that that's silly in CrossFit. Like, it's yeah. silly in the NBA, but like, yeah. sillier in CrossFit. But yeah, um, I guess on the individual stuff is the dude who won last year the CrossFit Games. He finished first in quarterfinals, but. Interesting one. There's a young man from, he's from around here. Met him a few times. Chandler Smith, he's in fourth. Okay, yeah. He's a dude. He actually, uh, he lost a, because he's in the military, and he lost a finger doing something. <sighs> but really strong. They used to be a wrestler. Family's crazy athletic, you know, football players and wrestling, like, tough athletic dudes. Yeah. Yeah, fourth place. So there's a little case from Kansas City, our area. Not yeah, like. yeah. But and then Toomey is still in first. Toomey beat the crap out of everybody. But. Yeah, you see a lot of those. Where where's she from? She's from. She's Australian. Yeah, but she's been you in. You see uh, a lot of fucking Iceland people too. Not as much this year, but. Well, they all they all went on to a super team. Yeah. That's so what I was going to say. Like, You're seeing a lot of that on teams, but now. Annie, it's like Annie, uh, Thor's daughter, Sigmund's daughter, they all joined the team. There is one. I can't pronounce her name. It's Rag Nadur, Sarah Sigmund's daughter. She's in seventh. Maybe that's just Sarah. Oh. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's like they have a link for her, and it's like, so that's Sarah Sigmund's daughter, but. Click on the link and it's just like missed 2021 season with ruptured ACL. Like damn, uh, dude, like, yeah. I thought maybe it's going to be an interesting article about this person. Uh, that's like that shit that happened this week with the quarterback for Pittsburgh and that Adam Shafter. Like, dude, yeah, God, you got, heard about that? Got hit by a dump truck. Yeah, but he was like Adam, walking on the highway, right? Like, yeah, he was walking on the highway, and Adam Shafter, a reporter, posted like. Dwayne Watson, who was formerly with it, and he had a horrible time. He starts posting all his fucking, like, he never stuck on with the Washington Commanders or blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> why are you even saying that dude's dead? Just let him know he's dead. You don't need to talk trash in his own bit. 
know, obituary stuff's supposed to be like all the nice shit about somebody. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, that was the Ohio State quarterback, Dwayne Dwayne Haskins. Yes, but uh, yeah, yeah, I saw that too. They're like <laughs> always at the strip club, now dead. Yes, <laughs> hey, bro. Yeah, fuck. But that's a tough one, man. That's a lot of people were coming out after that. Twenty four years old, had the world in his hands, and God knows. Well, I think was. I mean he had some issues, man. Like yeah. Like a ton of issues. That's part of why he couldn't stay on teams and stuff. Because they, he was. I mean, he was a top three draft pick, I think. Yes, he was. So that's a terrible deal. Yeah. Now they're saying the news is coming out. Like supposedly his car ran out of gas, and he was with some gal that was passed out drunk in the car, and it wasn't his wife. (laughs) And he's running to try and get gas for the car or some shit is what they're thinking. But um, and then people are pissing and moaning because the reporters are reporting this. I was like, well, that's literally their job. Like, their job is to dig this shit up. I understand they were pissed off on the... Like, the first post should not be about how he sucked at Washington and Detroit or whatever it was, but um, you know, their job is to find out the the whole story. But, yeah. I've been watching the draft football a lot this year. Watch the combine and stuff and yeah, I love the combine stuff. That's probably some of my favorite, like, just, to be honest, it has very little to do with football. Like, Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so fun to just, like, have, you know, whatever it is, 10 events and to see, you know, how people move and stuff, like, and how much faster, like, heavier guys are getting. Oh, yeah, really fast. Yeah. Like, like four fives at three-something. Yeah, those, that's like the lineman. I saw a linebacker. It was a Penn State linebacker. Dion, Dion Sanders was on the on the audio. Oh, the, the white dude. And he's like the white guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he ran like a four three five. He said, "Oh, he can run." Yeah, <laughs> they're like, "What do you mean?" Well, I can't say it on TV, but you know why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he's that's a linebacker running. You know, a four three five is moving like yeah. that is getting after it. Yes, so. Uh, yeah, just from a strength and conditioning example, I'm always super interested in the, yeah. the draft. Vertical jump, broad jump, you got a lot of fun stuff in there, you know? Yeah, the three-cone drills and things like that. Yeah, it's a good time watching that and just seeing the freaks. The weird one is when you see them drafted and then they come in, and, like, a lot of times these really high scores in the combine suck. Yeah. You know, they have no they play about like Speed in pads versus speed with speed. Yeah. Without, and it, that sounds, like, so crazy to me. Like, why... You know, how does it make have, that big of a difference? Yeah. Well, it might not in in terms of like if you were just to run, yeah, with pads on or whatever. But it's like NFL speed is is different. Like Tyree Kill is like he's fast, and then also in a, like NFL fast. Yes, you know? exactly. Like makes professional athletes who are also fast look slow. Look like, slow. Yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah, I always love that. Like just seeing the just general athleticism and like I mean it's interesting to see like what schools people come from too. It's not gonna be as good with like the transfer portal stuff kind of yeah. but like 'cause then you kinda see what what their strength and conditioning programs focus like what they're you know, focused on. Yes. There's a time where you had certain schools that would just like every player would crush the the bench press thing. Yeah, 
the 225 for reps and then, you know, maybe bomb out something else or whatever. But And what a ridiculous test. That's just so funny. You know <sighs> yeah, I mean? that's like, the worst two, one. <laughs> 225, bench. What a ridiculous test. But yeah. how fun is that? Like, <laughs> slap two plates on, let's see what you got. Go they just threw that on there to appease all the bro watchers. You know, is really what it's about. It it has like zero transfer to the sport because you'll see these huge offensive linemen. They're like, he was really bad, you know, bench press Origin- tests. And it's like, originally yeah, they, they were scared to like injure them. Yeah. And so they're like, well, just leave him to twenty five. These dudes are doing like twenty five plus reps, you know. Yeah. That rep twenty six is just as dangerous as rep one with four oh five. Yeah. Now they're wore the fuck out, and. But yeah, so I don't know. So you guys got I got I think a couple people going down to the strongman competition coming up. You got one. I'm not going to that either. But yeah, I just have one going down because. Well, I'll be out of town, so I'll be in. Oh, the the most fun! Like, I mean, if you could pick a city to just go to for every single meet, I mean, Salt Lake City. Let me tell you, it's the <laughs> fucking the best, yeah. the best fucking place you could ever go. But, hey, it's not as bad as St. Joe. St. <laughs> Joe is fine. Like, at least St. Joe's changed to, now. <laughs> the go. old meets with the orange lighting was <laughs> was, was tough. I mean, come, like, the master stuff, all right, so the master stuff is ridiculous in general just because we did have an opportunity this year, but not enough people, nobody's voting in these freaking things, like, like, even my team, we could have, my team alone could have swung the vote to bringing masters back into the fold with, um, back into the fold with USAW, and they would have either had to, they would have had nationals at, like, the AO series, like that, at uh, the Arnold, uh-huh. or, like, in the nationals week in Vegas, right? Gotcha. And so, and it's so ridiculous. Like, the Masters do have to pay extra, uh-huh. because it's like, you they we have to pay into USAW, well, not we, but, like, Masters have to pay into USAW, and also have to pay, you know, the independent Masters weightlifting organization. Yeah. So they complain about that every year, but never vote to get out of that. It's just like you guys could get out. Like we yeah. could just vote it out, and then having it all at one meet, particularly with the equipment. Like you get to go to like a you know one of these like rogue meets where they have all the nice equipment. They yes. got the big screens and stuff. And I guarantee you, this is not going to be that. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, and then. Salt Lake City. This apparently there's only two places we can have Masters weightlifting: it's Salt Lake City and Savannah, Georgia, yeah. which are two of the worst places to like get to on a plane, <laughs> like ever. So I have to fly. So my flight is I fly from KC to Seattle, then to Salt Lake. Oh, so you pass it, you fly over yeah. it, and then come back. <laughs> yeah, they can just just open yeah. the door, let me out because. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's the tickets are always expensive, even yeah. for Savannah. Like you can fly into Atlanta cheap, but not Savannah. Like you gotta like do two hour drives. So that's a that's a pain. Like I wish that would get of all things because I like Masters weightlifting. You know, just the yeah. vibe is a lot. You know, maybe more fun. I don't know how to explain that, but 
I like masters, the masters weightlifting vibe and like training and training with masters lifters and all that stuff. But the masters national stuff, man, it, it's got to get fixed. I don't understand what's going on with that. Yeah, I just have I have two girls this weekend. Jess and uh, Erica will be lifting both on Sunday. So and then Brandon is is my client. He'll be at uh, strongman meets this weekend. Pretty much everything should be good for him. The, the one thing we weren't able to practice that well was the they're doing a sandbag over bar, like sandbag for hide or whatever. Yeah. Because uh, just our space now, like if we go also like we have these other companies on either side of us, it's kind of hard to practice out there when they're driving back and forth. Also, there's a glass company right next to us, so there's just <laughs> broken glass everywhere all uh, the time. Yeah. It's not the safest to be out there either, but so we we didn't do as much of that, but I think that'll be fine. Everything yeah. else will be good. Yeah, if he snatched a few times, he got it. <laughs> that was good money. I mean, we've done some swings and stuff. I mean, he's he's a he's one he's a special needs client, so gotcha. We don't do a whole lot of super dynamic stuff, but I mean, yeah. most of this stuff should be fine. And uh, and this, I mean, strongman. I don't know. Some of it is just kind of figuring out what the events are because the deadlift and I didn't realize how how high eighteen inches those eighteen. I know for the deadlift and I was like I just eyeballed it at first and we were training off just low blocks. Yeah. Then I was like, oh man, that's way high. Like it's it's my low blocks plus a rubber forty five and a twenty five to get to yeah. the high. I was like, dang, that's a lot higher than I thought. So I'm a little yeah. Bit that's one of those events you see. That. Like the biggest records are usually by short people because they have yeah. to lift the bar like an inch. But and that's the tough part. It's like it almost should change for height. But uh, like you need to move the bar at least four inches to consider it a lift. That's like some of those bench presses you see where the Eddie Cone just sent me one. I think it was and. Like there's like a little girl who did the like bar a, path was like a quarter of an inch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like did that fucking move? And good left. Oh fuck. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it's just one of those. The rules are there. Use them. You know, bend the rules to your advantage. But uh, so yeah, and the one the one with strongman that always gets me is like the whole suits are fine hitching is fine making the lift in any way possible like you can shit yourself and rip off an arm as long as you stand up but you better not sumo <laughs> you know? it's like what that makes no sense you know, nope, no feet wider than hands yeah man I, some of the get-ups like I, so the first one i went to with with brandon there was a dude he did <laughs> he had a deadlift suit on so Brandon won the deadlift event in this one, so he, in the novice, so he had a 475 deadlift. Okay. So he, he took first in that event. And so there was a dude in his, not in his division, maybe it was like the heavyweight novice, I don't know. This dude had a deadlift suit. He was wearing two belts, you know, wrist wraps, straps, like a whole nine. And yeah. He deadlifted 405, and I was like, I don't oh, know, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, at this point, you need to train more. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I was at like, what point do you put on? What, at what point is the second belt too much? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I thought I thought to myself like, who even had that idea to put yeah. on a second belt? Yeah. I thought for a second maybe it was just to hold on the first belt, but nope. It was like he tightened the first belt and then tightened the second belt. And I was like, maybe he's doing something goofy for YouTube or something. I don't know. Yeah, he has a bunch of sponsors that didn't have enough room for him. <laughs> second belt, put more logos on. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I'm going to get ready to squat and try and wake up. I had a long night of listening to music. I got my old ass out on the pit. It was fun. I didn't hurt anything. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I can play in one piece. So, everybody, it's been great. Glad you joined us again, and we'll try and come back with something more exciting next week.